0: Typical. You waited all this time till last week's Who's Round for an interview with a lorry, and another one comes along straight after. Well, hello everybody. I could have done this interview any time in the past four years, because it turns out... (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the neighbourhood but I'm in a gentleman's flat and he's going to talk to me about a series that's dear to our heart so I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who
1: Hello, my name is Laurie Lewin and uh, Toby's talking to me about Doctor Who because I was in it I played Rossiter who uh, is a member of the Vimbocci alien race Um, and I was very fortunate and blessed enough to be in the last two David Tennant episodes on Christmas Eve and um, no New Year's Eve and Boxing Day. Uh, Chris, Christmas Day, Christmas and Day and New Year's Eve. Yeah, and I missed the second one because I was in San Francisco. Oh,
0: yeah. I've
1: seen it. I've seen it since. It's very good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but yes, that's that's why we're here. Hello. Well, we
0: have a mutual friend in Johnny Candon, and I remember him saying to me, "Oh, my friend Laurie's." got, he's going to be in the last two David Tennant episodes, and I immediately hated you, um, so it's very nice of you to let
1: me into your flat, and you have, you have your, your prosthetic here. my Vimbotti head, yeah, I managed to salvage that on the last day of filming, it was a bit of a free-for-all, because it was the, the last episode, the last, um, the last episode of that, that season, because obviously Matt Smith was taken over, there was a bit of a free-for-all in terms of. Props costumes, and everyone went completely do laddie and grabbed everything in sight and I, I managed to uh to salvage the the head that i'd worn yeah, there it is it's fantastic so
0: uh,
1: what's the process of being um, did
0: you have to do a full full sort of
1: month? I had to do a full a full I had to go up to millennium um and have a a full um yep yeah, uh Mask put on my head, which was which was horrible. Um, I can only equate it to to being buried alive. Not that I have been buried alive, but you know, you're covered in clay or latex or whatever it is, and you've got a couple of straws stuck up your nostrils to to uh, to help you breathe. But uh, yeah, it's quite a frightening experience. And you, you suddenly you, you you know you you can't see anything, you can't hear anything, and actually for and you, your mind starts playing tricks for you know a few moments. I thought, wait a minute, what if this is all some big some big scam, some prank. They're, someone's trying to kill me and they've gone to this this great process to, to get me here and put this on me and, and they're going to they're gonna kill me. Uh, they didn't, thankfully. Took it off and, uh, yeah, it was all all tickety-boo. But, uh, yeah, quite a, a strange, unnerving process. And uh, having spoken to a few actors who've had the same thing done, they've said the same, yeah. But luckily, I now have a, a cast on my head. So if I do get to play an alien or any other kind of strange creature again, I won't have to hopefully go through that again.
0: Oh, because they've got you on file. They've got me on file, yeah, yeah. So don't eat too many cakes. I won't, I won't, (laughs) no. And how was it, so, I mean, I guess the first thing is getting the part.
1: What was the process? Um, It was very odd, because I I have worked in comedy for most of my uh, career. I started doing stand-up in 1999, which is where I met our mutual friend, Johnny Candon, Um, and... I'd, I'd always got comedy roles and comedy parts in sketch shows and radio shows and things like that. So I, I was very surprised to get a call from uh, my agent um, asking me to, to go up for this part in Doctor Who. I thought, well, you know, it's not a comedy. Um, but it turns out that um, I'd worked with the casting director many years ago. Funnily enough, he taught me how to to dance for a, a comedy pilot I did for BBC Three. I had to... Um, I had to dance like Beyonce, um, um, and it was very difficult because I haven't got much booty to shake, but he uh, he spent a good few hours with me teaching me how to, to shake my booty, um, and remembered me for this role for Rossiter, um, and uh, they were looking for somebody who was a bit geeky, bit gawky, um, sort of nervous type to to play to play Rossiter and and he remembered me thankfully and and got me in for the part um and yeah i I went with you know i i just didn't think I was going to get it because it was a a you know not a comedy and required some 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 serious acting um I actually went in sort of thinking, oh, I'm not going to get this, but you know it's it's you know be quite good fun uh my friend Johnny loves Doctor Who, so I can give him the script afterwards <laughs> um and I think because I, I wasn't nervous and I didn't have any sort of pretensions, I think that's probably why I got it. Because you know, a lot of these castings you go in for, you know, you are nervous, you're shaking, you're thinking, "Oh God, have I have I learned the lines? They're going to ask me to do something else." And with, and with this, I just I really thought I wasn't going to get it, so I actually didn't 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 give a bit of a toss. Um, it was only when I did get it that I realised the the magnitude of, of what I was, you know, letting myself in for. Um, start watched a few episodes because I hadn't really watched. The new Doctor Who before, I thought, my God, this is actually, this is actually quite big, and because it was the last two Tenant episodes, obviously they were, you know, chucking a bit more money at it than usual in terms of production, production values, and all the previous cast, and you know, people like um, what's his name, Timothy Dalton, and uh, and and then it started getting a bit scary. Yeah, but I was, you know, absolutely over the moon when I got it, and uh, it taught me that I could actually do some reasonably serious acting as well, which was nice.
0: Well, I mean, are you somebody that, because I think in our profession, the grass is always greener, as somebody that um, does pretty much mostly comedy, do you hanker to do more serious stuff, or are you
1: happy to have... Um, Yeah, I I think, actually, uh, I think doing Doctor Who taught me that I could... uh, I, I was actually reasonably good at it. I remember watching... I went to see the first episode at the BBC. They did a big screening there for, for um, you know, the BBC execs, producers and people that work there and their kids. Uh, and I remember being extremely nervous, thinking, oh, God, I really hope I pull this off. And I was pleasantly surprised. I thought, oh, my God, yeah, I can I can actually do a... a you know, do quite good acting. I'm quite, quite a good actor. and actually made me think, well... You know, I like to maybe go up for more more serious things, um, which I did. I did an episode of Casualty, which I wasn't very pleased with. Um, I had to play a baddie, and I don't think I did a very good job in it. In fact, some of my my friends who work in comedy said it's the funniest performance I've ever given, <laughs> um, better than all the comedy stuff I've ever done. So I think it. I think it, it depends. It depends on the role. Um, and the thing with Rossiter is that you know he is it's quite a funny guy it's quite a comical role you know there's a there's some a, some really good uh, banter between you know him and, and the other embodiment and it's, it's some quite silly lines and uh, a lot of physical comedy as well um but yes sorry it's a it's a short answer
0: well, and, and that that you mentioned your your co-star. I mean, that the casting of you and Sinead Keenan,
1: who yeah. one couldn't be taller and one couldn't be shorter. <laughs> I guess they were after a bit of that. I think I think they were very much after yeah. some kind of uh, odd odd coupling um, in terms of physicality and and personalities. And obviously, she's quite feisty and short, and he's quite tall and scared. And you know, it, it, we we played off you know uh, perfectly with each other, and it was it was really good fun and. Yes, she is tiny, and yes, I am a giant, and uh, yeah, I think that that worked beautifully when you watch it.
0: And how was uh, working with Mr. Tennant on his final story?
1: He was amazing. He was a lovely man. Um, I had no idea that he was um, Scottish, so that was a bit weird hearing him um, to sort of yeah talking, uh, talking in his Scottish brogue. He was really lovely, really really nice man. Uh, taught me how to play bridge. Obviously, we we spent a lot of time together particularly all the spaceship stuff um and there was some you know quite a few fireworks going off and effects and it takes quite a long time to set those things up so we had a fair bit of downtime and yeah he told me how to play cards and um yeah he was charming a very funny man as well very very funny guy uh extremely professional i think he was probably there before everyone else on set um and they loved him. The, the production crew absolutely adored him. Um, um, but yeah, he was a very, very nice man. Very nice chap. And surely any actor can die happy if
0: they've worked with Bernard Cribbins.
1: Oh, Bernard Cribbins was just... The, 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 I mean, the legend for me anyway, you know. Uh, Railway Children, just all, yeah, all all the sort of 60s, you know, black and white comedies. Um, I mean, he is a comedy genius, and yet given his age... Uh, so sprightly. I mean, he was running up and down. It's like a child with attention deficit. You know, you can't you can't shut him up, and he's always cracking gags. Um, some incredible stories about people like Peter Sellers and you know uh, David Niven and all these all these fantastic actors he's worked with over the years. Um, but a very very funny chap. Um, I remember he, Sinead and I were, were sitting down, ready to get ready for a take, um, and there was a, 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 a seat in between us, um, and Bernard sat in the seat, and said, "A rose between two thorns," <laughs> because of our spiky heads, <laughs> and that was just genius. You know, he just was such a yeah, such a raconteur, a very funny man, yeah. Well, and
0: talking of comedy, we've alluded to it already. So let's let's take the journey up to getting you, a Doctor. You said you'd started stand up. So um, was that something you'd started with a serious intent? Had it been? Was it a stand up com- comedian that you wanted to be?
1: I didn't. I loved. I've always loved comedy, and and you know, as most comics will say, I was probably, you know a bit of a class clown, um, not very academic. Uh, I like writing jokes, um, and um, I. T- I t- about being an actor, I went to drama school, and I only lasted a year, uh, and it was suggested to me that, that comedy would be a, a better vocation, given that I had a very short attention span, and probably wasn't concentrated enough, didn't have the correct concentration to be an actor. Um, so I thought, okay, that's that's good advice, so I, I went away and I wrote Five Minutes, which I performed at the Cosmic Comedy Club in, in Fulham, Fulham, okay. uh, Fulham Road. do you remember that? Yeah. Um, lovely venue, um, and I think every every Tuesday they had a every Tuesday and Thursday I think they had a uh, an open mic night, and you went along and you were one of sixteen very scared comics, um, and uh, I prepared five minutes and um, I came second in the in the competition, and I was just overawed. I thought, wow, this is incredible. You know, this buzz is amazing. They laughed at all my jokes. Um immediately booked another gig which I did uh, the following week uh and died horribly <laughs> uh but I, I i was hooked by that first gig um and you know as you yourself know as a as a comic it's a you know you just do as many as you can i think I was doing three four a week and until you get past that six month pain barrier of, of you know uh the sleepless nights the three pints of lager before you go off on stage to settle the nerves. Um and thoroughly enjoyed it and it, it took me into working for TV. Um I worked on a couple of shows for BBC three, having been picked up by Avalon, who were my agent at the time. Um and um yeah. We went to the Edinburgh Festival, did a couple of shows there, um and yeah, had a had a, a yeah, we thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm still thoroughly enjoying it. I love comedy. And yeah, I could never I could never leave it. Well, and you're playing a great furrow, I think, for a, for a comedy performer, is that you are
0: part of ensembles where, you're you've got sort of regular work, but playing lots of different parts. I yeah, mean, that must be ideal.
1: Uh, it's great, yeah. Particularly, you know, the sketch stuff I do on Radio Four for John Finimore's show. It's always it's always nice to be part of a team. Um, therefore, you know, you're not. You're not dying alone if it all goes wrong. <laughs> it's that everyone else is going with you. But, um, yeah, it's really good fun. I, I've been fortunate enough to meet some very lovely people um, over the years who have given me jobs and, and asked me to to be in things. And um, I think, um, you know, the, the comedy um, Grapevine is, is a quite a good support network. You know, there's not that many of us, really. Um, and it's kind of nice that people help each other out. Um, obviously, it's always difficult getting stuff made for for TV, but, you know, certainly the, having the outlet to to put on your own show, do stuff on stage and radio, it's it's great fun, so yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Well, it's timely that we have
0: this discussion, I guess, then, because we have just, as we record this, kissed goodbye to BBC Three, so is that is that, do you think that was inevitable?
1: I think, I, I'm not sure if it was inevitable, um, I think um, it, it's quite sad, I mean, it was always meant to be a birthing ground for for upcoming talent a new comedy um i was never sure about it always being um i think they always were looking at a demographic um that doesn't watch tv i think they're always looking for kids 18 to 20 you know six-year-olds um, and certainly when I started writing stuff for BBC Three, uh, I was working on Touch Me, I'm Karen Taylor. Do you remember Karen mm, Taylor? I do, yeah. yeah. So I was writing on her show and I was in it as well. Um, and I think it, uh, you know, it was one of the highest rated shows on BBC Three at that time. And they'd managed to actually attract a demographic they'd never got before, which was women in their sort of late 20s and early 30s. Um, yet still, they persisted in in trying to make shows for a much younger demographic. Um, you know, not realizing that kids don't watch telly; they're students. They watch stuff online. Um, you know, they don't want to sit at home at ten thirty and watch comedy programs. They they want to even be in a student union having a pint, or they want to watch things that their peers are watching their their older brothers, their older sisters. Um, so I think this, the fact that it's gone online means you know they. they if that's the demographic they want, they're probably going to be able to, to hit that demographic now given that kids love watching stuff online when they want to, Um, you know, at, at a time which is convenient for them and is not prescribed to them by um, by channels. So I think in some ways it's it's a good thing. The, this is the thing. You know, kids don't want to watch stuff that's been uh made for them. They want to watch stuff that their, their older brothers and, and sisters are watching. You know, I, I was watching the young ones. Yeah, I was watching the stuff... I wasn't allowed to see that I'd heard about in the playground at school. So I'm like, Have you seen this new TV? Have you seen the young ones? It's like, oh, what's the young ones. It's after nine o'clock. My mother's never going to let me watch that. So I'll just creep upstairs to spare room, turn the telly on there, and, and watch it. And I loved it. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, I think hopefully now they're realising that they, you know, they they can't dumb down anymore. But uh, certainly now it's going online. I think they probably will get the the the, the viewers that they they setting out to get or happy
0: and what about so what about when, when you sort of become I mean as a comedy fan you then you know find yourself rubbing shoulders with you know the, 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 the big movers and shakes in the comedy world so who have been the, the best people that you've worked with gosh
1: I, I've yeah I've, I don't, no one's ever let me down which is nice you know they say be careful of meeting your heroes and I've been very fortunate to work with uh, quite a lot of lovely nice people uh, Ricky Gervais um who was very uh kind to me, gave me a, a bit in extras, um, and also helped myself and my friend Richard Morris um, get a script in development at the BBC. He'd read it, he liked it. Um, yeah, love you, man. Um, enormously helpful. Um, Jennifer Saunders, um, I worked with her on a show called The Life and Times of Vivian Vile, which was short lived, one series. Um, but um, again, you know, I'd. I'd always watched her in uh, Ab Fab and French and Saunders and um, I remember you know physically shaking when I met her on the first day for the read through for for the the pilot and um, she was lovely very nice lady Harry Hill I've been fortunate enough to work with um, again very funny man um, yeah lots of people but it's it's really nice you know they're they're all lovely funny people um, and I'm, I've not met anyone yet who's uh, turned out to be a a bit of a rotter, which is nice. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they're out there. Um, but um, yeah. Uh...
0: And what about Horrible Histories? Because that's something that's, um, I mean, just gone. It's made such an impact, hasn't it?
1: It has. And the great thing about Horrible Histories is it's one of those things that it, it will always be there. Given that it is, it's an educational show um, and a very funny show. It's an educational uh, show for 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 children. Um, it's one of those things that's always going to be repeated because, um, you know, it, it is an educational show and it's very funny. Uh, we did five series and then discovered that we we'd run out of history. <laughs> um, pa- apparently, you are and how to make it up, um, <laughs> which is a shame. Um, but I think um, I think it will it will come back at some point. There's talk of. Uh, it being a, a made into a film or a series of films or musicals. But I think it, it's too much of a big thing to, to let go. Um, but uh, it was great fun, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of dressing up, a lot of getting dirty, a lot of standing in a field at four o'clock in the morning having poo thrown at you. Um, but yeah, it's good. And what, it. what, what about writing? I mean,
0: it seems increasingly now that if you're a comedy performer, you have to... Write your own stuff, or do you actually enjoy the process of writing?
1: I did enjoy the process of writing, and I, I still do um, and I'm, I'm working on a couple of things um, it it's just the the development stage actually you know um, and, and this is probably a little bit boring for people that, that don 't write stuff for t v um, but it's it's very difficult to get stuff made. there are so many hurdles um, and so many you know so many people have to read what you 've written and and, you know, a lot of them like to have their own stamp on it uh, and things get lost in translation. And, you know, what originally started off as a very funny idea suddenly has become, you know, quite a a boring, uh, tragic um, <laughs> thing. Um, so for me, it, it's it, in terms of writing, I think I think in terms of trying to get something on tv it's very difficult certainly stage uh radio it's a lot easier and i still you know i still jot things down i still write jokes um still give jokes to people um because also i just think as a comedy performer it keeps you sharp to keep writing mm-hmm. um but yeah no, i love writing it's just very difficult when you're you're working or trying to get something on tv as you know yourself yeah yeah, yeah.
0: And um, well, and of course, Doctor Who is one of those rare things that's you know writer-led, mm. um, and has been this massive success. And you were in in it on Christmas and New Year. So was that? I mean, there's, there's two elements to that. Was one it could how how much could you tell people, and was it very difficult to keep
1: a secret? It was incredible. Yeah, I think another reason I got the job is because I, I yeah well I wasn't much of a Doctor Who fan. I remember watching Doctor Who as a child and loving it. I I uh Peter Davidson was my doctor, um and I thought he was wonderful and you know he's one of my favourite actors. Um a very peculiar practice. It's one of That's my my favourite series of all time. Um and I just thought he was superb. But I, I missed out on the, the new generation of Doctor Who episodes with uh, Tennant and uh, Eccleston. Um so as I said, I, I really didn't know what I was I was getting myself into, but um, yeah, I, I when I got the part, um, I, I was given scripts with lots of lines sort of blacked out, and my script was watermarked, and uh, and uh, there was a hell of a lot of security, and I was we weren't allowed to to see the, the the last five pages until the actual last week of of filming that particular scene. Um, and of course, I've got friends like Johnny Cannon saying, give me the script! Give me the script! <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Johnny. Oh, right, tell me what happened. I can't tell you what happened. So, you know, it's... Uh, but yeah, incredible security. Incredible security. We we had a read through in Cardiff. And uh, again, I think there were a very few people, well, obviously, the cast were there. Um, they... Senior crew members were there, directors, producers, etc. Uh, and and that was pretty much it. They wouldn't allow anyone else in, uh, and we all had to sign something, promising that we wouldn't give anything away. Um, so yes, extreme levels of security. But obviously, you know, having watched it, it's it it's it's always annoying when you see spoilers or read things that that give away the ending uh, or particularly how the the um. Regeneration was going to take place, and I thought they did it beautifully, mm. um, yeah, it was very sad. Yeah,
0: and there's nothing like being on Chris- on telly on Christmas Day.
1: I know, that was amazing, I'd, yeah, I'd uh, I, a double whammy, I think, I think there was a, a Christmas special of Horrible Histories on on BBC Two in the morning, and, uh, and then a, a Top and Tail with, with Doctor Who in the evening, so, yeah, it was a very special day, very special day, very odd, um... And uh, got sort of texts from people I hadn't seen in years. Like, oh God, I've just seen your Doctor Who with a porcupine head. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that was me. Um, so yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I was overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by the response. So you've you've sort of phased out because obviously you know you're, you're, you're,
0: the the works flooding in. You've you've sort of phased out the live stand up uh, comedy. Anyway, do, do you miss that? I
1: don't. I really don't. And I. <laughs> I uh, Um, it's, it's funny. It's a question that I I do get asked a lot. Do you miss, do you miss doing live comedy? And I think for me, live comedy was, it was a means, it was a, a a platform to get to somewhere else, to, to get into, to being on Teddy, writing for Teddy. Um, and I did enjoy the buzz and I loved it when, you know, the jokes landed, but, um, just the the nerves leading up to doing gigs, you know, it's, um, and it does take a lot out, a lot out of you. I realised, you know, when I became a proper journeyman comic and was was sort of travelling around, doing um, doing gigs. It's quite, it's quite a lonely, it's quite a lonely experience. Um, I think you've got to be a certain type of person to commit yourself to to being able to go from Portsmouth to Edinburgh to Manchester to Cardiff, you know, within the space of a few days. And I, I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, and I do. You know, I, I do live stuff now, obviously, with the, the Radio 4 show, John Finnemore's Souvenir Programme. We perform that in front of a live uh, audience, um, and that's, that's, that's good fun. We try the stuff out uh, beforehand. We, we do try at nights to see what material is going to work and, and what isn't going to work. Um, but no, I don't, I don't miss being up there on my own. I really don't.
0: Well, where would you like to be up there? And the, say, if I was to come back and see you in 10 years' time, what would you have liked to have... Because obviously, as we said, you know things are going well, and you you you're working on good quality stuff. Mm. So, um, what would you how would you like to build on that, and what would you like to? I,
1: I, I don't know. I'd love I'd love to have a sitcom made. I'm still going to try and um, fight a good fight, and, and you know try and get my own stuff developed. Um, I'd like to be in a in a sitcom that you know lasts a good seven eight series, um, just as a bit of investment, just <laughs> yeah. a bit of cash coming in every year. Um, and also to being something that that 's quite iconic, I think it's every comic dream to to being you know something like the office or only Fools and horses porridge i mean you know my certainly my uh my favorite um, sitcoms are sitcoms of the seventies you know the ronnie Barker sitcoms uh, um you know open all hours porridge um a lot of eighty sitcoms like ever decreasing circles butterflies um really good um, acted sitcoms um, so yeah I'd love to be in a sitcom that lasts for a long time and, and goes down you know in, in the, you know, the, the canon of being one of the greats so that would be fantastic we'll see we'll,
0: we'll keep our fingers crossed for that well the two final questions are we've, uh, you've kindly given your time for free and uh, nobody's paid to listen so we ask the listeners uh, to put their hands in their pockets for a charity of your choice
1: my charity is going to be shelter um it's a charity that's very close to my heart um, obviously um, rising house prices. I think there's a bit of a stigma about homeless people, um certainly in terms of being homeless um of their own volition because they're drunk or on drugs or have given up on life. Um, I think we forget that a lot of people end up on the streets because of unscrupulous landlords um you know high. Uh, high rents, um, breakdowns in relationships, etc. And obviously, you know, it's when they're on the street they turn to drink and drugs. Um, Shelter are absolutely fantastic in terms of trying to uh, get people back on their feet, rehabilitate people, find them jobs, um, find them accommodation. um, And yes, they do a wonderful job uh, and they're they're quite a big London charity as well um, given that I live here. Um, Yes, that's the charity I've chosen. So, so please dig deep and give to Shelter. Brilliant. And I do a, I'll do a link to the website Fantastic. in my outro. Uh,
0: and the final question is... Yes. It's an awful question, um, but I did it at the first podcast, and because I'm so geeky, I have to ask it to everyone. Doctor Who's, We're in Doctor Who's 50th anniversary year. What is your message to the
1: listening Doctor Who fans um, on this illustrious occasion? Um, I, I, um, I would say... Uh, Yes, be very excited about Peter Capaldi being the next Doctor because I am. Um, I think he's going to bring something quite new and hopefully maybe even a little bit sinister to the role. I think um, I think Ben Wheatley's directing the first few episodes. He is, yeah. Yeah, uh, and come on, have you seen his films? Kill This Sightseers, um, which hints at a, a perhaps a, a new, darker uh, road for the Doctor. Um, and I'm all in favour of a, a bit of a darker Doctor, so yeah, I think we're going to go see some interesting things this year, and I'm certainly going to watch um, the new Doctor Who series with him in it, with, with great delight, great relish, I'm looking forward to it. Well, we could probably ask if he's only around the corner, isn't he? could have window. Yeah. Peter! <laughs>
0: Peter, come up! I'm doing a podcast! <laughs> Brilliant, well, um, well, I'll go and bag him, but before I do it, I'll say, uh, Laurie Lewin, thank you very much. Thank
1: you very much,
0: thanks for having me. That was great. Is that alright? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I like that. I, like, I did one with Bob, but I can't uh, Thanks to Laurie, his charity is Shelter, which is shelter.org.uk. Uh, and my thanks to our mutual friend, Johnny Candon, for introducing us and facilitating that. Um, I'm currently recording this on a train the day before this podcast is due to be released so for all of those reasons I'm going to shut up now and urge you to listen to the next one at the same time next week follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydock and uh, until next time bye bye where are you sending me the war doctor devices.
1: This world is claimed by the time lords. In the name of God!
0: Sing, muse of that resourceful man who wandered far and wide after he had sacked the sacred citadel of Troy. Many were the men whose cities he saw and whose ways he learnt. Yea, and many of the woes he suffered in his heart upon the seas, striving to preserve his life and bring his companions home. But though he desired it sore, his companions he saved not.
1: Are you there? Anyone?
0: I see your people approach. I see their aura. They are permitted. Knowledge of the experiments must remain secret. I've got a bad feeling about this. You bred me to offer insights into the Dalek war effort. The Doctor. He used to be called the Doctor. Only I wouldn't call him that now. I came here once. The sky was made of dreams. Those days are gone. I can feel it. Try to drop a penny into a cup for a mile in the air, no. then leave it to someone who has. Hang on. This is the place I've heard the rumors. I like to keep an open mind. You dare defy me, <laughs> big finish. We love stories. The Doctor would hate what I've had to
1: become.